button real quick. Oh, there we go. All right. There, I made my own mistakes. Uh, I actually asked Marcus to forget what I did so that if I do make mistakes, they look a lot less to y'all this morning, right? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, we do appreciate Pastor Marcus here. He does such a wonderful job, especially with our family's ministry, and he's a much better preacher than I am. Don't tell him, though. He'll get a big head. Um, just kidding. Hey, we've got a couple of announcements. We want to remind you of backpacks. If you guys would like to continue on doing the backpacks, we are going to collect those next week. Make sure you get those in. Those are backpacks for kids in need. We also have a men's rally August 13th. You can check the events page for details. That's for men that are um, coming of age, 12 and up. And uh, there was a charge for that. So check the events page on our website, gocoastal.org backslash events. And then Heart of Addiction. Um, we feel like it's a very important uh, thing for us to have some sense of place for someone who is struggling with addictions or habits they want to break and habits they want to hand over and have freedom in Christ through that. And so we have Heart of Addiction. We're actually going to be starting that here at the Hampton campus. And so I would encourage you, if you know someone who's looking for a group of that nature, to invite them to come here Wednesday nights. And that starts this week, August 10th at 6.30. So there's just a few announcements. Hey, have you ever been in that place where you just want to fix it? Yes, right? You're probably wondering what, fix what? Well, don't you ever want to just fix the problems that we have? For instance, your plumbing. How many of you guys have plumbing issues? You don't have to confess it, but I will. I've had some plumbing issues moving into an older house. It's a great house. We love it. But every now and again, the pipes don't want to work. I have a car. Guess what? The air conditioner's a little flaky right now at a bad time. It goes in and out, in and out. And then, how about the air conditioner? How many of you guys paid an incredible electricity bill this month? Just me? Okay, just a few of you. Oh, well, congratulations to the rest of you. I want to know what you do to fix my energy. So uh, here's the deal. We all try to fix things, and we don't always know how. Why? Because we're not the experts. But there are moments that we'll try to do it on our own, and what ends up happening? We end up breaking it, right? We end up having some flaws happen that are a little worse than they were before. And now we're not in for only $500 to call the plumber, but it's 1000 because you've got to replace the pipe that you thought the axe would work on. <laughs> See, there's all these moments where we want to fix, we want to fix, and we forget that sometimes we're not the expert or sometimes we have a weakness and we have to have someone come in who has a strength. And see, this happens in the life of the church, too, a lot. And that's why the body is so essential. That's why we need community. That's why it's so important that we're not just Mike Bard here, but that you're involved, that you're a part of the church. Because there's a few things that you could do within the community that I can't do. And there's some things I can do that could benefit you. And it's not because I'm great. It's not because you're great. It's because we need community. But as a result of that, there's something else we need within the community. I need you guys to carry my burden sometimes. And sometimes you need me to carry yours. Sometimes what you really need isn't even on the on this playing field, right? It's not just something that I can fix for you. You're plumbing your pipes, you're 
your life, but it might be something I can pray for you. And in James 5, he makes sure to end his entire message, his entire letter, with the idea of prayer. Because he wants to make sure that we understand that prayer is an essential part of the practical life he's calling us to. It's a way that we get to play out our faith. It's a way that we get to trust in God and hand things over. And sometimes, here's the deal, it's not that someone can fix your problems, but it's that someone can pray to God for your problems in a way that you had no idea you could do that. And at some point, you should sit down with someone who's been praying for years and listen to them and how they pray, how they get specific, how they do it with a bit of angst, a bit of energy, a bit of desire to see God move, and how they equip that desire with an action they ask God for. And that's what we're going to get in today that God is a God who wants you to talk to him and wants you to invite other people to talk to him about what is going on in your world. Isn't that good that we have a God who cares that you pass those exams, high schooler? We have a God who cares that you get, you get better and through the sickness you're dealing with. We have a God who cares that you have a good life it's not always going to be perfect. There's going to be suffering, but we have a God who cares that you make it through the suffering well. Isn't that good? We could go home now because the God of the Bible is exactly that. He is a God that cares. He is a God that draws you into community because he knows that it isn't the one that's necessarily going to get it done, but it's the whole. It's the body. And so he calls us to something greater than ourselves. So we have to invite others into our lives. If you will turn to James, we'll be in James 5. Again, this has been a great journey for all of us. James has been extremely practical in all he has talked about. He has expressed to us how to use our tongues. He's expressed to us on how to control our temperament. How to act in kindness. He's expressed to us to draw near to God and to clean our hands as we sang this morning. Why? Because we need him. We desperately need God. So as we start this following passage and we finish out the book of James, we'll be in verse 13. Read along with me if you will. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone Cheerful, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, oh, get this, he will forgive, be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer or the effective prayer in some of your uh, versions, the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah, a man with a nature like ours, 
He prayed fervently that it might rain, might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you that you have called us to communicate and talk with you. I thank you that you have not called us to do that alone at times, but to do that both alone and together in community. I thank you, God, that you have challenged us as well to be pursuant of the heart of the wanderer, the person who is seeking after the world. And yet you have called us to pursue them and pursue their hearts for this is fruitful. And so God, I pray today as we hear this word and as we walk through this step by step, that God, you would give us clarity and wisdom and that today we would understand just maybe a little bit more on how to speak with you and pray. And God, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first point number one, we're gonna talk about you for a second. Pray and praise God in all things. Whether you're sick, whether you're suffering, whether you're cheerful, pray and praise God in all things. Now here's the deal. The question here is what, is what is James talking about? Is he talking about prayer through the eyes of just literal sickness or literal uh, suffering? Yes. Is he also talking about spiritual suffering, spiritual sickness? Yes. It's a both and. Now, most of it is probably more in lines with spiritual sickness and suffering because at the end of the day, right, we are going to suffer on earth and we are going to get sick. And it's inevitable that we all, I'm sorry to break this to you, spoiler alert, going to die. But if we know Christ, what do we know? that as a result of that, we will be healed because we will be with him for eternity. We will have a new life. And so the brilliance of what James is saying is let's do it in all things. Let's pray for each other. Uh, he's specifically talking about the first six verses too. He says, you guys are suffering because the rich are holding it against you. Remember, there's only two classes of people in those days. You're either rich or you're poor. That's it. There's no middle class. There's no HOA, okay? You're rich or you're poor. And what's been going on is the rich, because they had all the money, were overpowering the poor and telling them what to do. In the other seven verses, you have 7 through 11, he's saying be patient and endure during times of suffering. The Greek word that's being used here, which is the original language for sick, is actually referring to emotional and spiritual wellness as well. But in all things, I would still encourage this. Pray in all things. So how do we do this and do this well? Well, we identify and invite others, right? Call the community to pray over you. 
you guys had COVID at some point. Don't tell me. I'm just joking. But all of us, right? Some of us. Most of us. Let's face it. It was a tough time. And some had it worse than others. Some of you guys have been sick from cancer. Some of you guys have had other diseases that you've dealt with and had to work through. It's rough. You're laid up for days. It's frustrating because you can't control the outcomes. I hate the stomach bug, in case anyone's wondering. And I'm not going to go ahead and explain that to you why. But that's probably the most miserable situation anyone's in, right? Everybody agree? Yeah. Nobody wants the stomach bug. Give me a cold before the stomach bug. I might even take chicken pox again. <laughs> hate the stomach bug. But when you have it, you are laid up. There's only two things you can do, and I will not bring that up here at church. But you are desperately wanting, I'm the worst person because I will literally say, am I going to die to my wife? And my wife is like, you are such a crybaby. And I don't blame her for that because I am. But at the end of the day, the problem that we face is that, that we have this urging of frustration that we cannot control the circumstances. And there are spiritual things that are going on in our life right now where we cannot control the circumstances. Maybe some of you guys are having a rough time at your job because of your faith, because you're making decisions that go contradict what other people are doing. Maybe you're not able to connect at certain points because, hey, when they go to happy hour, you don't go. Or you don't drink what they drink or you don't do what they do. Or maybe it's the conversations. They start talking about different funny jokes and you don't have any to bring in. You have a bunch of dad jokes that you think are so humorous. Because they are. But you have these moments where you are unsure of what to do. And it's hard living a Christian life in a world that feels very dark. And so you're trying to figure it out. And sometimes it gets painfully hard. And you hurt and you wish someone could come alongside of you. And so what Paul said, or what James says, I'm going to name everybody in the Bible before I name the guy that actually wrote this. James says is, look, in this moment, call upon others. Call the community to pray over you. In fact, in Galatians 6, Paul actually says this. He says, call those who are spiritually mature to pray over you. So point number two on this, or three, ask for those who are mature in their faith. See, when we ask for those who are mature in their faith, it's kind of interesting. They pray differently than we do when we're in our state of immaturity. And let's face it, if we were honest with ourselves, we have seasons where we operate immaturely. Even though we might be seasoned veterans at this Christian life. But if we call upon someone's mature, they begin to look at your life and they ask, what can I pray for? And if they're really good, they can actually get some information out of you you don't want them to get out of you. And they actually can start to discover that maybe some of your sickness is a result of your sin. And here's, here's the deal. Sometimes here's what we do with our sin, right? We undermine it. We say, yeah, I struggle when I look at things. I struggle when I talk to people. I might be a little judgy. No, 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 you're judgy. Like, and if you got a good friend, they'll tell you that. No, 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 you struggle. 
But one of the things they will call you to is to pray specifically, to get in there and actually identify. I'm not just impure. At 2 a.m. in the morning, I struggle with looking at things on the internet that I should not be looking at. Right? We get specific so that when they pray, they can pray that you would be sleeping by 2 a.m., that you would be so tired that God would relieve that from you. That you would be, they would pray that you would actually call them at 2 a.m. So that they could pray with you in the moment. See, that's the church. If you all think we're perfect here, you're wrong. We're all messed up, including this guy. But the more specific we can get, the quicker we can heal. Because the reality is we allow our sickness to continue. It just starts digging in deeper. And then we don't have to answer those hard questions. When do you do it and where do you do it? We don't have to answer the hard question too with gossip, right? When we talk about others and suddenly it's just like, I gossip. No, no, no. You have a set group of people that you meet with on a regular basis and you talk about things that are fairly judgmental. And we begin to identify, here's what you need to do. Start changing the people you hang out with for a season until you can operate and act more like Christ. Because what it's doing is it's breaking you down slowly. And this is what sin does. I just talked about we have a thing coming that's called heart of addiction. Right? And sometimes the addictions that we have, they start to deteriorate our body. They start to mess with our soul. They start to make us feel less than we truly were meant to be. Unhealthy. And then we're dependent on the source of what we think is making us healthy, and we get confused. And so when we call people to pray for us, call them to pray over your sins. Call them to pray over your hurts, your habits, your hiccups. Where do you need restoration and renewal? Have you confessed that to someone? Have you got specific with someone? Here's the deal. If you are trying to figure out where to call upon people as your pastor of small groups in spiritual formation, join a small group for goodness sakes. Right? Okay, I'm going to do this real quick. This is not to embarrass anyone, but if you're a small group leader in here, would you just raise your hand? All right, we have a few here. Got some on the side over here. We got some down here. We might even have one downstairs, one in the back. We got plenty of small groups. I've got more if you need one. If you don't like the people here, I'll put you with one at Yorktown. Then they'll, they'll eventually call you on your sin and send you back to Hampton, by the way. Yeah, that's what they do, apparently. But at the end of the day, we have plenty of small groups. Guess where the best place to find someone to pray for you? Your small group. We have to be in community, guys. We absolutely have to be in community. Community is what helps build us up. And I know some of the problems that you faced, right, were a result of you being in community. Now, some of those you can't avoid. But there are moments where you need to find healthy community. And I believe that we have some pretty healthy small groups that will take you from frustrations where if you lose your job, they're still going to love you. Where if you're about to go to prison, they're going to love you. I've faced all that in my small group. I've only been here two years. 
We still love the people that are struggling with the worst things. We prayed for people who are sick. We prayed for aunts and uncles that were dying. We get in the depths of people's lives because small group is a good place to find the faithful. And let me tell you what, I'm a small group leader, but I'm not the only faithful person in my small group. I have guys that I go to that I ask to pray for me. And I think that's what you're going to find as you go into small group. Yes, it says elder. And I will, let me tell you this, we have some great elders as a part of our church. But also leaders in our church, we have deacons that are here at this church, part of Coastal. We have people that will pray for you. And after this, we're going to have you fill out a card. And you're going to write down a prayer request. And I promise you that either an elder, a deacon, a small group leader is going to pray for you. Or a staff member here at Hampton. Because you know what? What you're going through matters. And we want to show you that we care. That's how we're going to do church. And that's what James is calling us to. Here's the deal. The... He said they rubbed oil on them, anointing them. One commentator actually took it a little bit further. They said that they rubbed oil on their wounds because of the persecution they were facing. Ooh. Now let's apply that to small group today, huh? How would you like that, showing up to small group? I got the oil, let's go. But here's the reality that I want us to face, is they got deep into the dirty parts of people's lives and they loved on them. And they help them heal. And that's what small group's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something that just says surface level. We want you guys to understand that there are some parts of people's lives that hurt. And there are some sins that you guys will deal with. And some of those aren't going to be like, hey, let's confess tonight's sin at small group. No, no, no. It's going to happen as a result of you doing community and you calling people to say, hey, tell me my sin. I see that. Please, let's call it out of me. Let's pray it out of me. Pray it away. Let's trust it. Let's lay it, hand it over to God. I've got one of my small group guys here today. I won't point him out. But if I sin, I can go to him and trust that he's going to care for me. If he doesn't, I just pointed him out, so now he's got to do it. You know who you are. But I, I'm going to be able to trust him to say, hey, I've got some problems in my life. I need you to pray for me. Help me love my kids better. Help me love my wife better. Help me to, to love the people I work with better. Not that that's a problem. But I've got someone in my small group I can go to and talk about these very important questions and thoughts and concerns. Now, if you were to be honest with yourself and you're not in a small group, do you have somebody like that in your life that's calling you not just to get out of your sin, but calling you to the mission of God, calling you to move forward and actually help other people and begin to take care of their wounds? Because if you don't, then I challenge you, whether you agree with me or not, or whether you're struggling with the idea of joining a small group or not, join one and see. And then get to know someone in that small group that will love on you and care for you and actually walk with you through some of the toughest times of your life. Because the reality is, some of us in this room are going to face the toughest times of our life in the next six months. And we don't even know it. 
Some of us are going to experience the greatest times in our lives, and we don't even know it. But for both, community is the best place to share that and to pray together in it. So take care of the wounds of one another. I love this part. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Now, if you have the King James or the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, you have the effective prayer. Now, this if you're charismatic in here, you'll love this part. Effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is my next point. Ask people to pray that are passionately follow Christ. Ask people to pray that passionately follow Christ. We've got a guy at our Yorktown campus, and actually a guy here too, I believe, that would pray like this. But you can ask him, I guarantee he'll pray right then and there. We've got some folks here that I think are the same. You see them up front every week. They're ready to passionately pray for you. And when you hear them pray, it's a little bit different. It's not based on the sound of their voice, but the passion in their heart of who they trust God to be. It's the way they explain God in their prayer. They elaborate a little bit more than I do. But when you hear it, you're like, wow. It's not because it's flowery. Sometimes it's bumpy, right? But sometimes it's, it's so clear that they have read the scripture because they're repeating it into your heart. And they're calling God to the promises that he's promised. And they're encouraging you in the moment. They're, they're calling upon God for the sake of your healing. And you know them. And here's the deal. That, that word effective is actually another word in Greek that means energy. It actually means, and I can't say the Greek word because I didn't do that well in Greek class, but the, it's basically the energetic prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Think of the analogy like this. We all have car batteries. Sometimes our car batteries die, but even when our car batteries die, the radio still works miraculously, right? But when you get somebody else's car battery over next to you and they plug into you and they juice up your car, what ends up happening? You get the power back, right? Sometimes in our weakness, we are unable to pray. So we need to ask others to pray in their strength. Because some people can pray at a time when you just feel exhausted and can pray no more. Sometimes you don't know the words to even spit out or sputter out so that God will hear you. And sometimes we got to call on someone else to just say, hey, look, <laughs> I need a jump start. Would you pray for me? Because I don't have the words. And what James says is, yes, find that person and know them because they live righteously. It's not that they're special, but their target and goal is to look like Jesus on a regular basis, to live like Jesus on a regular basis, to be kind and merciful, to live out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. To live out the Beatitudes. Somebody like that, ask them to pray. And I guarantee you their effective prayer will accomplish much. 
What a great promise. Isn't that good to know? Write that on your walls at home. If I can just find a righteous man when he prays for me, I can trust. A righteous woman, when she prays for me, I can trust that it'll accomplish much. Now, God's not going to always answer you yes in the way you want him to, but he might answer you no in the way you need him to. But call upon your community and find that righteous person. And then he makes the example of a guy named Elijah who prayed, right? He prayed to have a drought. But I love uh, above that specific passage in 1 Kings 18, it actually talks about a, a situation where Elijah had uh, basically went to battle against a couple of the prophets from a different God, right? The, you guys may have heard this story, Baal, right? And so Elijah was a prophet of God, and he, would, he was the guy that represented him, and he was the sole guy that showed up to this little party that was a prophet. Then there were 450 prophets of Baal. And under those 450 prophets of Baal, they were making this claim that Baal was greater than the God of, of Elijah. And I'm sure Elijah probably snickered because he's very sarcastic. Well, you'll see that soon. And so they decided they were going to put a sacrifice on an altar, and they did. And they were going to ask their God to put it on fire. As a result of that, they'd started to dance around and scream and scream a little bit louder and, and dance and dance. And then Elijah, in his cleverness, said, maybe you're not being loud enough because there was no fire coming. <laughs> then he went on to say, maybe your God's not available. He might be out relieving himself. It's in the Bible. Y'all don't want to read this. Then he said, you know what? I know what it is. Your God's out napping. Because your God needs sleep. He's tired. Which is kind of interesting because our God needs none of that. Right? And so he went back and forth with them and he said, he just continually kind of bucked up against it. And finally they were like, okay, okay, let's see what your God can do. And what did he do? Well, he wanted to get fire, right? So he went and got water. Did completely opposite. Poured a bunch of water on the sacrifice. He even built a trench around the altar. I don't know. I was trying to start a fire yesterday, and I don't know if you've ever done this while you've had rain on your wood. Anybody? Yeah, it's the worst. It is not starting. I've had people over to my house, and they make fun of me because I can't start a fire because there's rain on my wood, and I just can't get it done. But Elijah thought, hey, Let's put some water on it. That makes sense. And then you know what he did? He said, let's do it again. Like you just poured thousands of gallons on there. Let's do some more gallons of water on there. And I think all the prophets of Baal are like, this guy's crazy. Nothing's going to happen to this. It takes 212 degree Fahrenheit to evaporate water. This is what scripture tells us. And at the time, this is 1 Kings 18, verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. So notice a couple of things. He's claiming him the God of Israel. 
right? Referring back to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And he's also saying that he's done this by his word. He's being obedient. And he says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, look at this. He doesn't call him the God of Israel. What does he say? O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. Here's what happens next. This is really cool. <coughs> then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Again, remember, 212 degrees. <laughs> and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. you're not impressed with your God, check out mine. <laughs> if the things that you're following after and chasing after aren't fulfilling you, this is the God that we believe in. The God who raised from the dead, the God who lapped up water in seconds by evaporating with very hot fire. I don't know if those guys all fell on their faces because they were saying he was God. Some of them might just had really bad sunburns at that point. But I think, I think they realized that there's a power in what Elijah believed. And I think we need to realize that as well because the next situation is there's this drought for months on end, years on end, and finally it rains and it rains as a result of a righteous man praying to a righteous and good God. And then it was overwhelming. See, our God doesn't want you to sit there and think he doesn't answer your prayers or doesn't consider your heart or what's going on in your life. He wants to send down the rain for you in some ways. He wants to take care of you, but in the suffering, he also wants to show people who he is because what did, what did he say? The most important part of his prayer was this. He said, so that they will know that you are the Lord, their God. See, our suffering and our sickness sometimes needs to reveal more than our healing. It needs to reveal our God. And when we suffer well, it can reveal our God. When we heal well, it can reveal our God. When we die well, it will reveal our God because our God is that good that nothing in the world can separate us, that it is an example of who he is, his character, his love, and his kindness. Do you believe that? That is how good our God is. And so when we read this passage, let's read it with the mindset that our God is Lord and that he loves us, that he's our authority and worth following. He concludes with this. He says, my brothers, this is verse 19 of James 5. We've jumped back. My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Jesus pursued our heart, so we should pursue the heart of others.
there's a lot of wanderers in this world. A lot of people that are searching or trying to get away from God, but they know God. This has nothing to do with losing your salvation. This is a reminder, like we were talking about earlier, that there are times where when we pursue after sin, it just starts deteriorating and wrecking our bodies. And then in order to stay in that sin, we have to do more sin. And it speeds the process up. And he's saying, hey, if you will pull them out of that, if you will bring them in, if you will help them find who I am and remind them of who I am, it will save their soul. It will save them a lifetime of pain and suffering. And so James is reminding them that really a wandering soul is just a great example for us to be like Christ, to chase after them, to pursue them, to love them. I had a, the last church we were at, we had a guy named Anthony. And Anthony, um, he wasn't far from God, but man, he was looking at some other things, chasing after some other worldly desires. He just got out of a rocky relationship with his girlfriend. They had lived together. And I can tell this because I got permission, so don't worry. But in that process, we were at a place with our church where we thought God just wasn't in it and we were wondering if God even wanted to point us to anybody that didn't know who he was or was distant from him and we'd been praying for months and I finally asked a team from another uh, church to come in and help us out and to just kind of do the old-fashioned walk around the city and get to know people and we walked around the city and we walked around specifically our mall in the city and uh, as we were walking I was walking with my friend Austin and Austin paused, and he looked at this guy, and it was like he just darted off. It was really weird. Uh, he just, like, ran over there, and I was like, man, you're going to scare that dude. He sat down, and that guy's reading, and he starts talking to him. And so I started talking to some other folks that were right next to me, and um, nothing supernatural there or cool. Uh, I think I pointed them to the Apple store, that's all. But Austin starts talking, and he gets back, and he's like, hey, that guy's coming to your church. It's like, what? This wasn't supposed to work. He said, yeah, that guy's coming to your church. Here's where he's at. And he started to explain. He's, he's broken. He's got some things going on, but he feels like he does need to get back to church after we talked. And he had some big apologetic questions. He was still at the time questioning whether or not to trust the God of the Old Testament or the New Testament, as though they were separate gods. And so Anthony didn't show up. For two weeks, I was like, ah, oh, well, we'll move on to the next one. Dust off your feet, right? And then finally in September, he shows up through our doors, and I'm shocked, as though I should be. Remember who our God is? And so Anthony comes in, he sits down, and I, I pull him aside, and I say, hey, man, it's so good to see you. We met you at the mall, didn't we? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, we hope you enjoyed the service today. If you have any questions, let me know after. We'd love to take you out or at least catch up with you over coffee if you got time later this week. And so he agreed to that. We had coffee. And what was interesting is Anthony was very honest. He was still a wanderer. He was still distant, still unsure. And so I thought, ah, this guy's going to take forever. There's no way that he's even going to be really a believer. Like he's got so many odd questions. And months went on end, and finally he was like, hey, you guys do this discipleship thing. I want to check it out. 
And so we were reading through a series of books, basically that are just foundational. We use them here at Coastal as well, just to help them understand what the Bible is. And so I said, um, I've already got a full crew that I'm working with, but why don't you go to our associate pastor at the time and meet with him, which little did he know he was a PhD in apologetics. And so I sent him over there, which was fun, and uh, he suddenly realized the Old Testament, New Testament God was not different. And all I started to do was just pray for him. And all our community started to realize is we can just pray for him. They joined my small group. He was in there with us. He started to grow. He started to grow and grow. And suddenly he was like, I'm in. This stuff's good. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm sure you're in. And so we kept discipling him more and more. He's like, no, 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 release me. And so God convicted my heart. I had a Sunday that I needed to be off from preaching because I had a lot of stuff going on. And I just started listening to him talk. And God said, that Sunday, I want you to reserve that for Anthony because he's going to preach. I was like, no, 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 no. Anthony barely knows that the God of Old Testament, New Testament is the same. And sure enough, it was a few months later, and I said, okay, Anthony, this is maybe strange to you, but you've mentioned you feel called to ministry, and I want to set you up to preach one Sunday. And I'll give you the passage, and I'll give you what you need to get it done, and I want to work through it with you. And so we kind of walked through the process. And you know what that guy did? In his conversation with us about Ephesians 6, he kept going back to the Old Testament. And I just watched as he just preached God's word as though he was meant to be there. And it was just so amazing. Anthony has now since moved to Florida because he felt so convicted about his family. His mom's not in a healthy relationship. His, his siblings and his um, cousins and friends, they're all struggling. And he walked down there. He found himself a church. He started living there and working there and being a part of that community and going to that church, investing his life in it. And he started to pour into his family. And he's watched his family slowly come around. Guys, I don't think that was because I got up and I got Austin to go talk to him. I don't think that was because I had some flowery words or I gave him some PhD with apologetics behind it. You know what I think it was? We had prayed so fervently as a, as a church to watch him change and grow into the man he is today. And I think it was a result of that prayer and a result of our people pouring prayer after prayer after prayer on his life that he changed. You know what he loves to do the most? Pray. And I think that's because he realized that that's what we did for him. And so he spends a lot of his life praying for others. And what I want to challenge you guys on right now is maybe you're not in a place where you can pray. I want you to take out that card. I want you to write today the prayer that you need prayed for yourself. What is that one thing that you need to remember? And I want you to think about two takeaways today. One is this. Don't just attend this church. Become a part of it. Get in community. 
And then number two, allow others to pray for you. Don't hide your prayers from your community. Now, you may not want to share your prayer with everybody in that community, but share with a few. Let them know the gods you believe in. Let them know the gods you want to believe in. Maybe that's where you're at today. But I want you to take these cards. I want you to fill them out. We're going to have a basket in the back that you can take them to. You can either do that while we sing our last song or as you're leaving. But I want you to take a moment to just remind yourself there's a God out there and there's a people who want to pray to that God that you can have life and hope and healing. And it may not come on this earth, but it will come in glory. It may not be immediate, but it will come. Please understand, the biggest thing that we can do in this world is be together and pray. Are you praying? Are you considering the things of God daily? Are you working through them? Don't just be part of a church. Don't just attend. Be in community. Let me pray. Father, even when I was writing this, I, gosh, what do I know about prayer at times? Sometimes I feel flaky at praying. But God, I just pray that you would help people understand who the righteous people are in this room. So they'll know that they can come to them and they can set their prayers to, in front of them and they will pray. So God, I pray for the church right now. I pray for those in the room that say, hey, we are the church. We're a part of this. That God, you would give us a spirit and a heart for prayer. That God, you would give us conviction to pray for others and to pray for this, them specifically, whether it's calling out sin and removing it from them so they can have freedom in you, or it's praying for the healing, the physical healing of a brother or sister or themselves. May they pray in all things and hand all things over to you. For God, we know that at some point you will give healing. So thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, and your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's people up here to pray with you, even right now. Fill out those cards. Like I said, we will have people that will pray for you. We're going to ask our small group leaders, our elders, our deacons, our staff to pray for you. You are going to be prayed for. We care about who you are and where you're heading. And we care more importantly that you know who Jesus is and that he's living out his life through you.